What's it like to be the new person in CX? Whether that's creating a new CX team, joining a team, taking over a team as its new leader. Today, we're going to talk about what you should do in your first year with a customer experience team. I'm sharing the first part of my conversation with Mark Levy, who has been the new guy at Comcast and now at Frontier Communications. He has a clear point of view about what to do to build a team, to build relationships, to get moving and make progress. And I should probably say, this is the CX Patterns Podcast with Sam Stern from LinkedIn. When I talk to Mark, and you'll hear in just a second, what I love about his approach is the impression it leaves with his colleagues. He's coming in to listen, to learn, to evaluate where they are in terms of their current experience, but also in terms of their experience aspirations. What do your leaders, your colleagues truly want to achieve with customer experience? That's as important to know as how good your experience is today. And don't assume that you know that. Ask so that you know for sure. Mark talks about how he gets to that level of certainty, four things he prioritizes, and then how he starts to move from the listening and analyzing of the early period to the informed action of the second phase of his work. Okay, enough preamble. Let's hear from Mark Levy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the CX Patterns Podcast. This is Sam Stern from LinkedIn, and I am really excited to be looking at on my screen, although only bringing you audio, Mark Levy, who is the Vice President of Customer Experience at Frontier Communications, where he leads the strategy and execution of customer experience initiatives across the organization. Mark, welcome. Great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Sam. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. And we also have Mark's dog in the background of the picture. So if you hear me laugh at any point, it's probably because it's Izzy, right? If Izzy Izzy is doing anything adorable back there. (laughs) So Mark, you're someone with a lot of experience in customer experience. And you take a position like the one you hold now at Frontier. And I think other folks have been in this position where it's not their first customer experience job, or it is, and they're trying to figure out what to do first. What do you do first? How do you get a lay of the land when you join a new company and start working on customer experience? Yeah, great question. So here at Frontier, the first thing I did was I got to know all the leaders. Mm. And I got to understand what their their goals are, what they think about customer experience, where they think the challenges are, and start to build some relationship, some confidence that I can be there to support them. Yeah. It's hugely important to uh, to build those relationships up front. And it makes it easier over time to, when there are decisions to be made, when there are challenges that we have to solve together, we're already in relationship. I just find that. I've learned that through the years. It's a, yeah. a, a, a tactic in one hand, but it's really great to to get started. So after that, I start to take a look at the business, right? What is the business's commitment? Although I did that before I started with the company, I was asking questions of my leader, of his leader. What is the commitment to customer experience? What is What do you think it means to have a great customer experience? And we were able to align early on that customer experience, at least for Frontier, really means working towards an effortless experience, Mm. working towards being customer-centric, 
The company was just a couple of years ago, came out of bankruptcy, built, brought in a brand new leadership team and really is in a, a building phase, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're in that building phase, there are a number of challenges that you need to make sure you solve first, which is we're in business to sell fiber, right? We need to make yep. sure that we can lay fiber, we can sell fiber, and that we really can understand what the customer's needs are so that we can continue to grow the business and that we can uh, be very uh, operationally efficient. So I heard from the leadership originally, the top one of the top goals for the company was to ensure a great customer experience. Uh, that's what's going to grow our business, right? So how do you do that, though, when you've got a business that's been around for a lot of years, it's got a lot of baggage, and has customers who have been very vocal about what they like and what they don't like, and walked into some, some history that we needed to overcome pretty quickly. Yeah. And so that meant, how do we communicate with these customers better? How do we build their trust? How do we show that we are, we are really here for them? And some of that is about, and one of the other areas I really focus on in the beginning is mindset, right? Is working with those leaders and then working with their leaders to ensure that we've got uh, a customer-centric mindset so that I don't have to be everywhere. <laughs> but that I've, I've got, they've, they've got me in their head. Okay, what would Mark say in this situation? <laughs> How would we see this from the customer's perspective? So did a lot of that, both through workshops and just one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. Um, and then the fourth thing really for me is about data. And it's a key part of understanding both customers' journeys, the challenges that they have, the needs that they have, how we are doing as a company. Mm. And where we need to focus. Yeah. So, I, I think those are the areas that, that for anyone starting out. So that, that makes sense. That sounds like a great plan. How long, reflecting on time at Frontier, how long was that, those four steps? How long were you spending on those? I'd say it was definitely the first quarter at, at least, right? Building yeah. relationships. It, it takes some time. I'm one who, and I propose to people who get into this space, as, who come in as leaders to not come in and start making rash yeah. recommendations, right? To understand the culture, to understand uh, the, the nature of the business, um, you know, challenges have been there before and come with an educated proposal. And so I uh, did a lot of listening, sat in a lot of meetings to understand where, why did we do this? Mm. <laughs> How did we get here? Are we open to making changes? Again, part of that customer-centric experience mindset is being willing to take a look at what we've done in the past and then say, okay, that was the past. This yeah. is now. These are different circumstances. Maybe it didn't work last time because of A, B, and C, but now it could work. Or we could do it like this. So there's a lot of trying to get people to shift their thinking and act in, in that way. Yeah, I think a challenge for a customer experience professional, if you come into an organization and you're not listening and you're not soaking up information, collecting research, looking at the data, you're not modeling what you're going to be preaching, right? You're not. And so you have to take that approach, I would say. You have to be in listening mode. You have to be uh, empathetic to the situation they've been in, 
and, and really trying to reflect back to them what a plan, as you said, an informed plan, but one that's going to be fit for where they are with their customer experience, what they want to accomplish as an organization. So uh, that resonates, right? Because we have to model that behavior anyway of being empathetic and listening and really trying to reflect back what the data are telling us should be the right approach. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious when you're building those relationships and you're asking, I really liked how you described it. You're trying to figure out what do they think customer experience is and what do they think it can accomplish for the organization? And you said at one point that it sounded like that they they had an answer that sounded like they understood how better customer experience could lead to better results for Frontier. And I'm wondering, what are you listening for when you're, what are you hoping they're going to say? Or what, what are the sort of keywords or phrases that are encouraging versus maybe a little, okay, maybe I have more work to do here than I thought? Number one, if I hear the word experience coming out of their mouth, that's <laughs> a good thing. And, and even if they're, and I'm not speaking to about anyone in particular at yeah. here, but just in general, even if the thinking isn't necessarily aligned with mine, it's just really good to understand because each group has their goals, right? Our technology team, yeah. their goals, and our network team has their goals, and our, co our call center team has their goals. And each of them are going to look at things a little bit differently. But I'm looking for the word customer, the, words ex the word experience, the words better, also, really understanding that there's that there are challenges, right? We're yeah, we're mm. uh, there are things to do, yeah. Uh, and often our talks after that really revolve around prioritization, right? We understand mm. the problem, but it's okay. How do we solve this? Is this more important than something else? How does this fit into your goals versus this team's goals? And this has happened in a few places where I've been, where, and I think it's pretty endemic of a lot of companies, is silos, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's channels are built in silos. Organizational divisions are built in silos. Everyone has their own goals, their own ways of doing things sometimes, their own priorities. And it can be really difficult if everybody's on their own page. Yes. And one of the things that I did at, at Comcast, and I've done it here as well at Frontier, is work to build alliances where all those channels, all those divisions, all those groups are talking about together mm. what's going on, what their priorities are with the, with other leaders, and then understanding where gaps show up. So like we call it the CX Council at uh, mm. Frontier and have leaders from call center, from the field, from the SMS team, from the email team, the comms team, from the web, the app, the the chatbot experience, IVR. <laughs> and we get to You guys have all the channels, it sounds like. Yeah, we get together at a minimum every two weeks and yeah. we we talk about experience. We talk about where there are challenges, where there are opportunities. Different parts of the business will come in and share what their plans are. And then we can look at it once. I, I remember I used to do this at uh, at Comcast when I was, it was more like a product owner would do this. They would go to the web team and they'd say, this is what I want. Then they go to the app team and say, this is what I want. Then they go to the SMS team and say, this is what I want. And you end up with a completely disjointed experience. Yeah. Yeah. And now what we try, what we work on is getting everyone together at once, hear what the 
problem is that we're trying to solve. Work together to make sure that we understand that problem and then how each of the channels will show up for that experience. In some cases, it may be that the chatbot takes the lead or the IVR drives to the chatbot or or the app is going to take the lead for something. And that's a decision that we make as a group rather than everybody having their own roadmap and moving yeah. directions. It's been, I think, revelatory for the group, as well as we have aligned roadmaps now that really help to eliminate a lot of the swirl that goes on. Yeah, I love that approach. It's striking to me as you're saying that where there's all these different experiences you're going to be creating, delivering, responsible for. And to think that among all those channels, in certain situations, different ones can take the lead, can be the primary. It relieves the pressure, say on chatbot, to stick on that example, to have to be appropriate and have have nailed the experience for every type of customer. Suddenly, yep. you're prioritizing the ones that are most appropriate for a chatbot. And you're deprioritizing. It's not to say you wouldn't offer it, but it's, you're deprioritizing the ones where, you know, that's one where you, we're going to probably insist they have live chat or we're going to insist that they talk to someone for this, right? Um, exactly. I think that's great because you can see how we're going to collectively start to prioritize. Again, it's not that we're removing choice from customers. We're just going to have a strong point of view on which channel or which experience is going to be best in which yeah. situation for those customers. Yeah, and in some cases, we may build something and like for what, something that we built this year, we decided to build it in the chatbot first because actually it was faster time to market based on other mm. things were going on yeah. in the digital team's roadmap that we said, but it's the same APIs in the back end. We can just build this over here and make it a conversational experience. And we were able to launch that in six weeks versus something that would have probably taken three months just based on other priorities. And those things happen. It's really about then, how do you guide the customer seamlessly to the place you need them to go, right? Because yeah. a lot of people call in first. So, and right. so they want to, they think they're going to talk to somebody, but we may have a digital solution that's much better or that yeah. is available now without right. having wait for an agent. Um, and so we have to think about how are we going to communicate to them their options and get them to the place they need to go so that they can solve that. But data will tell us too, maybe we missed something, right? Maybe yeah. it's, maybe we just need to, if we've got them in the IVR, let's build in the IVR, let's solve it, right? Let's right. not send them somewhere else. But we also have desire to increase app usage. We think that there's a lot of value in the app and lots of discussions about do we put certain things only in the app? And, and is that right for the customer in the end to say, we're going to only put this in the app? You can imagine there's some heated discussions about, is that really customer-centric or is that for us? And I right. think the conversations that, that I help provoke that I think are important to have, and, and it's a conversation that, that everyone, and I, I really work towards this within the company, is have that feeling of safety to be able to say, yeah, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right for the customer or another way to do it. And that's the kind of environment that I want to work in, the kind of environment that I want my team to, to feel good about and that I really help to uh, try to build within the organization. Yeah, I love that. And I think as you were ascribing to maybe fictional, maybe not, but that example of where someone in that discussion where, that you're provoking is saying, maybe that's not right for the customer. That's another sign of a win for you, right? That someone yeah. else is calling that out, is, is exactly. making that point on your behalf. So you take the wins, right? 
Yeah, um, I'm going to call last yeah, week where I said something that was actually, I had someone reach out to me and say, that wasn't very customer centric. <laughs> That's great. That's I got it. I got it back. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious when you're, so you're, you've built these relationships, you're, and I liked how you put it too, that you said, you're going to try to understand their goals. And so you can, you're going to be then crafting your plan with that in mind. Everyone should feel like this is, can help with their success. How do you then craft a customer experience strategy or an execution plan that aligns with what else is happening in the business? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, to me, it, it, it comes down to the data, comes down to when I think about the business, right? If we don't have, I, I won't have a customer to serve if there's an issue with their bill, unless I get them installed well, mm. right? Unless I get them onboarded as a customer, there's no future. So when I look at the business, I look at where there are challenges. Usually it's an onboarding, right? Yeah. We have a team that does a great job. And this is the same at, at Comcast with uh, marketing, right? We can get people in the door. We can get them through the buy flow. But then there's the, the piece of that where the rubber meets the road. of Now I have my service. And if you don't do that, and if you don't educate the customer, you're creating problems downstream. And so I like to, I really, in many cases, usually just start with onboarding, looking at where those friction points are for the customer. We do for Frontier, we do mostly based install installs. So someone's coming to a house or mm, to yeah. do installation. There's a lot that goes into that moment into build yeah. one feel comfortable having you in their home yes. and, <laughs> and then making sure that what they purchased is what you deliver and that when you leave they are satisfied even before that you want to make sure you deliver you show up on time right? yes right these are all, all things that that when you think about it they require everyone to be aligned so the field has to accept that there are things that they need to do that are part of that customer onboarding in order to not just install and leave, but to begin that relationship in a way that hopefully builds that trust, builds that empathy. And over time, if there is an issue, customer feels like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be served. I'm, I'm going to get taken care of. So usually I start there. The other side is billing is usually, especially for these types of telecommunications services, there's a lot of complexity. There's dates, there's amounts, there's prorations, there's all sorts yeah. of things you've got to figure out. There's people who may have challenges paying their bill on time, and you've got to address that. Mm. And so there's the battle of the policies versus the experience. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so there's a, lot, there's a lot that goes into it in every case. And so I have a team that's structured, essentially journey focused. So on the pay journey, on the learn and buy experiences, right? And so they're thinking of that, but they're also working with the other journey leaders to make sure that everything is consistent across, right? Yeah. You're not always in one journey and you're not living in the same way that we have the, the channels working together. The journeys have to have to work together. So it's... Yeah. I find that my job a lot of the time is is getting people together to have conversations need to be had 
and organizing information in a way that is simple so that people can take that forward, do the work that they need to do, and be thinking both before before their part and after their part. Yeah. Yep. Right. So yeah. That's the piece that you, when you break down the silos, that's what ends up happening. Yeah, no, that's great. It, I like, I really like the example of onboarding, imagining that technician in their house, but knowing that you're, you're getting this relationship at the best, in best case, you're getting this relationship off on the right foot. And I think you gave an example there of what happens if you do that, which is then when they have an issue down the road, they're not thinking, oh, here we go. They're thinking the install went well. I, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. It's just a different yeah. way. Right? And they're calling, expecting you to serve them, as you said, and provide service. And they're probably more forgiving because they already had a good experience with you where you showed up on time, you did the work, you were polite, whatever all the, the cues are that you're building into that onboarding experience. And, and so I think that's such an important point you're making about how much that impacts the relationship beyond just it being a good experience, which is important, of course. So I think that's a really good example of, of the spread of that impact, good or bad. Yeah. And I think every business has that moment, yeah. right? That I've sold something and now yeah. I'm going to bring that customer into the experience. And my goal is to make sure that they get what they bought and that that they maybe buy again from me, yeah. a customer for a long time. That's uh, right. they, that they tell others that they had a great experience and that they know that we are thinking about them, that we are looking out for them. And the work we do is mostly about thinking of problems, right? Where is something going to break down and how can we get ahead of that so that we can solve it so it doesn't happen mm. in the moment, if it does happen, have a solution that is at the ready. Yeah. Agents understand that, that there's a way to find the solution in the app or whatever the issue might be. But we're always dealing with problems. Yeah. Uh, right. So you, if you want to be in this business, you got to be okay with that call that goes, hey, something's not working the way we expect. <laughs> I like that. I hadn't thought of that, that what, the way you said it, but preparing, trying to nip them, prevent them from happening, but also trying to have plans in place for recovering from them because inevitably problems will get through. And so what happens if there's an outage, right? Or a system is down, what are we going to do? I, I think that it's that second that is allowing you to then have really graceful and relationship building service recovery journeys because you prepared so well for that in the first place. I want to go back to something you'd mentioned that you have these journey teams in place for some of those most important journeys. And I'm curious about the roles on those teams. Maybe if you don't mind talking about that a little bit, but I'm also curious about how do you think about the threshold for this is a journey that's critical enough to us that we need to dedicate people to it on an ongoing basis, right? Our job, our work on onboarding is never done because we always want to be fine tuning it or, or making sure that it's good versus one where it's, this was an important journey to look at when it was broken. But maybe now that it's fixed, it doesn't need that kind of ongoing management. Yeah, we have, and we had this at Comcast as well, master journeys. So there are the overarching moments within a customer's journey from the time they learn about us to the time that they leave. Mm -hmm. Within that, within each of those master journeys are sub journeys. And like you said, in some cases, 
you're addressing a sub journey for a moment because there was an escalation, there was an issue, mm. and now we fixed it. Or it's something that has been on the roadmap for a while. It's time. Everyone goes, okay, it's time. Yeah. yeah. It's done. <laughs> but yeah, starting at the, at the master journey level, what I do with each of the master journeys is really define sort of the key moments in those journeys, find the, the key metrics related to those journeys, identify those as a baseline for, okay, here's where we're at today. And then what is that journey? What do we want that journey to be? What do we want that onboarding journey to be? There's three big moments in that journey. There's the, I made the order. So it's between the order and the installation. How do we make sure that the customer feels confident in their order, excited about work, about being a customer, understands when the tech is going to show up, knows what they need to do. And then the day of the installation is a key moment. So when is my tech coming? And what do I do if the tech isn't here? What do I do if I have to leave before the tech gets here? Right? Mm. What, what are those things that I need to do there? And then once the, and then the installation happens and now I'm using the service, now I need to be educated potentially on how to get the best out of my service. Mm. So that as part of onboarding, there's like these three distinct moments and the experience that we want the customer to have that the customer wants to have that we need to consider. And we look at those as North stars that then we can look at and go, we're failing over here, or there's an opportunity over here is probably the better way to say it. And then we can break them down. You can't, there's potentially so many things that could be done. Yeah. You can't do it all. And you've got to prioritize the work. And sometimes it's people, sometimes it's process, sometimes it's technology. It could be a training issue where an agent doesn't fully understand or provision doesn't fully understand a particular policy or new thing that got launched and you've got to go back and fix that. But within the journeys, then there are the sub journeys. And so it could be, how do we communicate to that customer between the order and the installation? What's the best, yeah. what's the best way to do that? So you're constantly like coming down to practical, tactical moments that ladder up to the journey strategy. And then looking at, once you've delivered it, looking at the measurements and saying, did we actually make a difference? You know, how do we, do we know that our 100 day NPS is uh, awesome because we had great onboarding and installation? Probably would if, and so we're looking for those key moments and key performance indicators later on to say, did we do a, did we do a good job? Yeah, no, that's great. And I think. Yeah, you can see the whole span of that that process and in, in how you just answered that. That was great. Thank you. So Mark said he provokes discussion. I love the use of the word provoke. Provoking, deeper thinking, more candor. That leads to better answers for customers. That's the reason to do it, to push, is you're getting to a better answer for your customers. Mark gets his colleagues to think about what is the right answer when it comes to the customer's experiences. And he creates environments and spaces where his colleagues feel safe to speak up, to voice dissent, or give airtime to minority opinions. That dissent, that less popular opinion, gets you to look at your thinking in a new light. Mark also talked about CX strategy work that he's done at Frontier. And it really looks like focusing on the most important journeys to customers and getting those right. Those moments of truth, especially for a company like Frontier, that has some trust to win back, that makes sense. 
get the onboarding experience right, as he talked about, and it sets a tone for the rest of the experience with the customer. And then he talked about billing. If you don't have that right, well, then you likely don't have permission from your customers to focus on anything else. And for that matter, your executives, because if customers can't pay you, uh, that's a top-line failure for the business. This was a great conversation with Mark, and we kept talking after the parts about being new on a customer experience team or new to a company to start a customer experience team. I'm going to share the rest of that conversation with Mark in the next episode of CX Patterns. We switched gears and talk more about personal topics that will still resonate and still apply for customer experience. So you'll have to be patient. Thanks for listening to the CX Patterns podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn. Subscribe to the newsletter that accompanies each full episode of the podcast. And please do connect to share feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes and guests. Thanks to my colleague Emily Tolmer for creating the CX Patterns logo and to my friends Moon Island for the music. Mark and I will be back in two weeks with the rest of our conversation talking about accountability and Mark's inspiring personal journey. Talk to you then.